Let's, uh, let's pause before the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, we bless you that you are bigger than us. We bless you that there is a reality greater than just this life. And we pray that you open our eyes to see it and to taste it and to touch it this morning. Amen. So, Anzac Day. A day to stop our normal running around, a day to remember. And in the remembering, to reevaluate what we think about violence and about war and about really basic core human values like getting on with one another, decency towards one another, caring and love and telling the truth. And I doubt that there will be any two of us who have exactly the same opinion about the horrors of war. There just seems to be so many fine interpretations, differing opinions on what's going on in, the, in this conflict, so many different opinions about what caused this conflict, what solutions we need for this conflict, and the issues that are all involved run very deep for us. Questions like uh, when, where and how should we legitimately stand up to bullies? Stand up to people building their empires. Stand up to despots and, and places where human rights are being violated. And one of the other major casualties of war is the truth. People quite rightly become very suspicious of the information the government feeds them for good reason. Because the government is looking for emotive, impellish, impelling narratives to craft, to feed into one end of the propaganda machine because they want to get the whole country behind them. Take Simpson and his donkey at Gallipoli. How long was his life? About at there, it was about three weeks, wasn't it, when he, when he was rescuing people on his donkey? But they kept that story going for years, well after he would passed away because it was propaganda. It bolstered the war effort. If you're a Christian, you believe in the Bible, you can, from reading your Bible, come to many different versions of what you think ought to go on. Because we see war and we see peace, both of those in the Bible. We see the Jewish nation struggling for a homeland, having wars in there. We see the Jews, the northern kingdom versus the southern kingdom. We see them going in to conquer the promised land. And then we come along to Jesus and there's a different picture there. Because this guy, basically, in order to win, what did he do? He allowed himself to lose, in our eyes. So Anzac Day is a stimulating day to check, as a Christian, what we are remembering and what we are celebrating. Well, we know a few things. We know that it's not a day when we celebrate Australia's victories because it's a day of a disastrous military event, a disaster at Gallipoli. And so we don't remember it for the victory or the loss, we remember it because it was a beginning. It was the first time that Australia, a fledgling, newly federated nation, was participating in international warfare as a nation. And so it's memorable for national identity more than triumph. This actually happened. 
our forefathers, our ancestors, our predecessors were involved and so because we are part of that same group, that same tribe, their history is our history. It's not a day for celebrating war, it's a day of respectful remembrance, a day for remembering soberly, a day for remembering thoughtfully and it's not a day to assign blame. It's not a day to diminish success or to extol success. It is a day for telling the truth. My, one of my, that's one of the casualties of war. One of, one of my granddaughters told me she had just finished reading a book, she was about 13, about the bombing of Darwin. We didn't know about that for 30 or 40 years because they didn't tell us the truth, did they? But that's what today is. It's a day for reminding each other that many, and they were mostly young, men and women, mostly in their prime, sacrificed their lives for their country, and that means for you and for me. And they acted out of their best understandings, their best intentions, uh, and the beliefs and the values of their day. One of the things I said this morning was that Something like 10% of the Australian population volunteered. It was World War I, wasn't it? Yeah, to, to go in and fight. It's an amazing amount. But it's not a day to blindly accept that they were all unblemished heroes. As Christians, what do we know about ourselves? We are all sinners. And we know that in extreme situations, extreme combat stresses, extreme mindsets, there were war crimes committed by their side and our side. But we don't need, oh sorry, they don't need us judging them from where we are in hindsight. They don't need us judging them from our worldview, which has moved along and changed. They do need that we recognise, they do need that we respect the ultimate sacrifice which they made for us alongside of the fact that we know they were human, fallen human beings because no one is perfect. And let's remind ourselves of that fact from James. James chapter 4 verses 1 to 7. We'll take some selections here. What causes fights and quarrels among you? At a personal level, at a national level. They, don't they come from your desires? The battle within you. You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And that's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Our response? Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And of course, those scriptures, amongst other things, remind us of how big a deal it is to make the ultimate sacrifice for someone else. And they, of course they show us how Christ took the selflessness of that ultimate sacrifice, he took it a massive step further. He did it for all the peoples of the world 
not just for his country. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for every side involved in the war. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love in this. While we were still sinners, both sides in a war, Christ died for us. Anzac Day is not a day to cheapen the sacrifice made by so many for our democratic freedoms by using it to jump off to our favourite cause. It is a day to remember the enormity of the issue of human conflict and the cost of not being able to resolve differences peacefully. And today on Anzac Day we remember all those that didn't come home and those that did come home but were never the same again. And we understand that when you throw a, pond, a rock in a pond, there's a ripple that goes out, and we acknowledge the scarred generations of Australian parents, wives and children who out of love or duty endured veterans' wounds also. Their frightful memories, their survivor guilt, their self-loathing. As Christians, we see that this life here, this side of heaven, is inherently frustrating. And we are always hemmed in, well not always, sometimes hemmed in by atrocious realities. But despite that, we have a reason for hope. Because we have a God who is bigger than all that, who is beyond us. And we know there is a higher reality than this life on earth. And we can point to the possibility of peace down here because of that. Indeed, that's what we should always be on about, peace. Peace and reconciliation in the face of war. Because Christ is the Prince of Peace. He's the provider of peace. Do you realise it's pretty significant that Anzac Day and Easter are so close together? Because where Anzac Day reminds us of an earthly attempt for peace, Easter achieved peace. Hebrews, well, let's hear this call to peace from the scriptures. Hebrews 12. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And the same thought in Romans 12. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at Peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. Some of you might need to hear that. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For as written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. Payback. That's God's job, not ours. And then in 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, I urge... Then that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving may be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. In all, see these characteristics? In all godliness and holiness, they go with peacefulness. This is good. It pleases our Saviour. 
because he wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so knowing that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God gives us a different perspective on Anzac Day, on conflict. As Christians, we don't need to hold on to the pride of being right. As confessing sinners, we point to the need to tell the truth in times of war. But it's okay to lament and be sad and it's good to confess what's going on and confess the true nature of war. Let's not glorify it. And yet at the same time we want to present a hope, a hope that God has been revealed in Christ, a hope that the most important war, the one between God and Satan for our eternal souls, that has been won. A hope that we have a companion who sticks closer than a brother in whatever we're going through. We have the Holy Spirit within us. A hope that nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. A hope that there is a good shepherd watching out for us in the midst of our wars, in the midst of the conflicts we have. A hope that there's a good shepherd who laid down his life for us. And we've heard several times today the, uh, in John's and also earlier the phrase laying down your life for one friends. What was the context of that? Well, Jesus was getting close to dying. He was anticipating it. He knew he was going to get betrayed very soon and he was just really aware of what was coming. And yet in this time... He calls his followers together and he said, Abide in me, bear fruit of the vine, live in love. And so it's in the context of that that this phrase, laying down your life for your friends, occurs. It's not a war text so much, though it has application there. It's more an advice for discipleship. Lay down your life for each other in daily living. Lay down your life for each other in how you speak to one another, in how you care for one another, and how you talk about one another when you're not around, how you pray for one another and minister to one another. Lay down your life for your friends in those ways. So Christianity is very ambivalent about war. It did invent something called the ancient, I called the just war theory. Yeah, this is a just war. In order to try and put some restraints to the rulers and of the different countries and out of those, that sort of concern came things like the Geneva Convention. Like if someone's been injured on the battlefield and he's not fighting anymore, don't just walk over and shoot him. Help him out, let him recover. And Christians have taken up pacifism a lot pacifism has been part of the earlier and the later witness and yet at the same time there have been some Christian rulers so-called who have participated in terrible wars decimating thousands and millions and for those who are just pacifists the quandary is asked well what? Hey, say someone breaks into your home 
and they're threatening to kill you and your family, what are you going to do? Say, I'm a pacifist. Or are you going to defend yourself? Well, Anzac Day reminds us that we are beneficiaries of those who chose not to be pacifists. They gave their lives literally. Well, they served and they came through a whole pile of anguish in order to preserve freedom and to resist evil. So as Christians, what do we do? We follow what Jesus uh, wants us to do and he works for justice, he works for peace, he works for reconciliation. And we're to do that in our part of the world. And we do this through the way we live, through the way we share with one another, the way we interact with our neighbours, the way we practice the things that make for peace. And our goal should never be the war. Our goal is always peace. And we remind ourselves of that from Isaiah 9, 6, equality of the Lord. For unto us a child is born and he'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we serve a Prince of Peace, not of war. Because we know that peace can't be found in the war. Which is not to say that the war is always unnecessary. History shows us that without war we wouldn't enjoy the stability and security that we have as Australians today. But peace is not found in war, peace is only found in Jesus Christ. I remember those today who tasted war so we didn't need to. And so what's our turn? What do we do? We are, our job is to ensure peace for the future generations. Our job is to be a people of peace, to be a people of love, to love our neighbours, to help our community, to be people who seek justice, who love mercy. So Anzac Day is not a celebration, but it is an opportunity. An opportunity to honour those who served by continuing to seek peace. Not through violence, but through the example of Christ, through love. Because we know that it's only through love that we can have true peace. And that, that love is the answer to all of life's questions. And Christ on the cross, what did he show us about war? He showed us that no weapon or power can destroy love. But love can destroy every weapon and power. And through this example of a loving Christ who gave his life for us, we are to do the same for our generation, our next generation. And I, my hope is that the next generation remembers Anzac Day not because they required to taste the horror of war, but because we are a people of peace and love, because we are different in the light of the sacrifice that we remember on Anzac Day. We are different because of thousands of people who didn't know us, who risked it all in the name of love and peace. So our question is, will we live differently because of Anzac Day? Let's go down to John chapter 10, verse 15 and 16. The Good Shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that don't belong to this fold and I must bring them also and they'll listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. And here is the bigger picture. 
a vision of peace, of unity. It's not a vision of exclusivity. It's not a vision, vision of national tribes and nations. It's not a vision of hatred. It's not a vision of war. It's a vision of people from every tribe and nation gathering before God's throne, enjoying heaven together with the Lord for eternity. We are to live differently because we know the Good Shepherd. He had a mission of peace for all mankind. There's a promise of everlasting life through faith in Christ Jesus. So let's come in prayer now and renew our dedication to peace through faith in Jesus. Gracious Lord, the kingdoms of this earth strive and struggle for their lusts and desires. And ordinary people get caught up in the struggle and suffer horribly. Please guide us to what you want us to do. Empower us to follow your example to be peacemakers. To live in the light of an eternal kingdom. To hold our life loosely. Knowing it is safe in your care until you call us home. Amen. Thank you.